0: Four score and seven years ago. Everything, everything Everything Lincoln. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Everything, everything, everything Lincoln. With malice toward none, with charity for all. Everything, everything,
1: everything Lincoln.
0: The Everything Lincoln Podcast. If I were Two Faced, would I be wearing this one?
1: Hi, this is Renee Gentry. Thanks for joining me for episode two of the Everything Lincoln podcast. Today's April 18th, which, as you may or may not know, is the centennial of the San Francisco earthquake. Now, I'm from California, so I've been in a few earthquakes. The largest earthquake I've been in is a five-point-something on the Richter scale, which was from two different aftershocks of the Northridge earthquake in 1994. Now, the actual Northridge earthquake, of course, was 6.7, But I was out of town when the actual quake happened, so I didn't feel much of it. The aftershocks, however, are just as much of an earthquake as anything. I lived in a condo on the top floor of a three-story wooden building. And let me tell you, with all the swaying and rolling, it definitely got my attention. But as it turns out, that was nothing compared to the 1906 San Francisco earthquake that struck on April 18th. If the Northridge aftershock quake I was in was a little tickle in your throat, the San Francisco quake was a full-strength whooping cough. It was a magnitude of 7.8, and it's still the largest earthquake ever recorded in a metropolitan area of the United States. And knock on wood, may that record hold for a good long time. Now there were fires that burned immediately following the quake, and they raged for the next three days, until finally the rain helped put out the last of the blaze. When all was said and done, 500 city blocks had been burned. And I find this to be incredible. Of San Francisco's 400,000 residents, 225,000 of them had lost their homes to the quake or to the fires. Now, naturally, there was other property damage as well, and that brings us to the topic of today's podcast, the first Abraham Lincoln statue ever erected in the United States, which happened to have been erected in San Francisco. Now, our story actually starts just before Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. On January 13th of that year, 1865, The San Francisco Board of Education named a new public school for boys in honor of the president. But by the time the school was dedicated on June 5th, Lincoln had been assassinated. So the dedication of the school also marked a memorial of sorts to the martyred president. A period of national mourning, as you know, swept the nation immediately following the assassination. During this time, Pietro Massara, who was listed in the San Francisco City Directory as a cameo cutter and a sculptor, Well, he began working on a clay model of a large statue of Lincoln. Now, the Mechanics Institute was soon going to host a fair, and so the Institute suggested that Massara cast the statue in plaster for the fair, which opened in Union Square on August 10, 1865. The plaster statue was unveiled the first night of the fair and consequently became the first statue erected in honor of Abraham Lincoln. I love a remark made in the book called Lincoln in California. It's by Milton H. Schutz which, by the way, is a book I highly recommend. Very good. Rather than wearing ancient robes that might have been worn by the Romans or Greeks, Schutz notes that the statue depicted Lincoln, quote, dressed not only in that up-to-date apparel, but also, for once, in the height of fashion, End quote. I love that. The statue was on display at the fair for 26 days, and afterward Massara offered that statue to the Board of Education as long as they would reimburse him for his expenses. Unfortunately, the board had no funds to be able to do that, but a group of citizens raised the money and purchased the statue from Massara. Then at Massara's request, the re-unveiling of that statue, which was now placed in front of Lincoln School on 5th, near Market Street, that unveiling was deferred until the first anniversary of Lincoln's assassination. So at 10 o'clock in the morning, on April 14th, 1866, the statue was dedicated. Now, Schutz tells us a bit more about the ceremony by noting that George W.R. King, who was the son of James King, was one of the students selected to pull the flag that covered the statue. Now, apparently, George had shaken Lincoln's hand on April 11, 1865, while he was in Washington. J.W. Winans, who was president of the San Francisco Board of Education, addressed the crowd, saying that, quote, the annals of Greece and Rome and all the free governments of modern times may be searched through in vain for a name that future times will hold in higher veneration than that of Abraham Lincoln, end quote. Now, the Gettysburg Address had not been acclaimed as a great speech as it is today, and so excerpts of the second inaugural address were read during the ceremony. I think it's actually strange that the base of the statue made no reference at all to any of Lincoln's speeches, but instead was simply inscribed with a few facts, and I say facts in quotation marks because the inscription actually contained some factual errors. The inscription was written on a marble slab and said this, Abraham Lincoln, born February 12, 1809, elected President of the United States March 1861, re-elected March 1865, died April 1865. Do you notice the problem? That's right. March is not the month in which Lincoln was elected. Rather, it's the month in which he was inaugurated. Now, the statue itself was described in a couple of sources. The first that I found is from a paragraph in an issue of Lincoln Lore, number 899. It quotes the Boston transcript for August 29, 1865. And what Lincoln Lord doesn't tell you, but what you now know, is that the Mazzara statue was on exhibit at the Mechanics Institute Fair in San Francisco at the time the Boston transcript article was published. Listen to the quote, though. It leads me to believe that despite the publication date, the article was actually written before the unveiling took place. It says this, quote, Statue of Mr. Lincoln. A California sculptor named Mazzara has nearly completed a colossal statue of President Lincoln It is 9 feet high and stands on a pedestal 10 feet in height, making a total of 19 feet. The posture is described in the San Francisco paper as majestic and commanding, the left arm extended in front and the hand grasping a scroll, supposed to be the Emancipation Proclamation. The right arm hangs at the side, thrown slightly back as if the subject was speaking. Under the right foot writhes a serpent, and close by it is a broken shackle an allegorical stump of a tree, from which grow two clasped hands, stands just behind and to the right of the figure. End quote. And of course, a picture is worth a thousand words, as they say, so if you'd like to see a picture of Masara's statue, go to my website at www.everythinglincoln.com. Now, there's also what I think is a far better account that was published in a California newspaper. Perhaps this is so because the reporter was likely on site to see the statue firsthand. The July 19, 1865 issue of the San Francisco Bulletin reported the statue's near completion. I remember, in July nineteenth, it was nearly completed and had not yet been unveiled. Perhaps the Boston transcript article used the San Francisco Bulletin account for its source, which is one possible explanation for why the transcript reported that the statue was quote, nearly complete, when in fact it had already been unveiled to the public. Now, The more elegant account in the San Francisco Bulletin said that the statue was 9.5 feet tall and was on a 12-foot pedestal. So a little bit of discrepancy there. The statue of Lincoln was, quote, standing beside the Tree of Liberty with his right foot firmly planted on the reptile of secession that issues from the roots, the left arm being stretched out at full length with the hand grasping the scroll of the Emancipation Proclamation, his right hand with open palm spread out as a protection to the Constitution and the emblem of union that rests upon the trunk of the Tree of Liberty, end quote. Well, that plaster statue stood strong at the Lincoln School for 23 years, until one day in 1888 the left arm, which you'll recall was outstretched at full length, well, it fell off. And the San Francisco Board of Education made an appeal for a more permanent statue, and an anonymous donor gave them such a gift. The plaster statue was removed, and another like it, this one once again including an outstretched left arm, was cast by William T. Garrett at his Brass Foundry on Fremont and Natoma Streets. The statue was made of a white metal known as French Bronze. On January 25th of the following year, the new statue was set on its original base. Three days later, the San Francisco Bulletin suggested that the students give it a, quote, coat of bronze paint every year or two, end quote. Now, I presume that the boys did that dutifully for the next 18 years or so, until that fateful day, on April 18, 1906. Now you might think of any of several modern science fiction movies to capture in your mind's eye the images of that horrific day, but one vintage movie in particular comes to my mind when I think of the Massara statue of Lincoln. There's a famous scene in The Wizard of Oz in which water is thrown on the Wicked Witch, and she begins to sizzle away, shrinking to the floor as she cries out, I'm melting, melting. And though the demise of the Wicked Witch was a cause for celebration, while that of the Lincoln statue was not, the outcome was still the same. That's right, as the fire of 1906 consumed the city, the French bronze statue of Abraham Lincoln melted away, and only one finger of the right hand remained. Now eventually, of course, there would be another Lincoln statue erected in San Francisco. You can see it today outside of City Hall. And I'll talk about that statue in a future episode of the Everything Lincoln podcast. Thanks for joining me.
0: The Everything Lincoln podcast is copyright 2005 by Renee Gentry Von Bergen, All Rights Reserved no part of this podcast production, including show notes, can be copied, reproduced, or transmitted without the express written consent of the author. This has been a production of Alta Omnimedia.